Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. And today we're going to look at culture and three different worldviews. Let's hear this very important information and let's start now. Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Welcome to the Educational's Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco. And I am Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I'm the co-founder of Equals H and the director of the program in Ecuador. And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equals H in Ecuador as well. Educational's Hope exists to, bri- to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations. And our, our main goal for this podcast is to keep our dear listeners, supporters, friends all over the world informed as to what is happening with our ministry here in Ecuador. And sometimes beyond. Uh-huh, of course. <laughs> because we could not do it without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for walking this journey with us. Thanks for being with us today. Um, so as we have just mentioned, we are working here in the fair South American country of Ecuador. And here's a spoiler alert. <laughs> Ecuador has a different culture than the United States. And Ecuador has a different culture than any other cultures and any other countries, right? Any uh, Different than Colombia or Peru or Bolivia, even uh-huh. though, though there's, th- those are the closest ones. And did you know that inside Ecuador, there are also different cultures? Yes. Did you know that inside every home, there's that different culture? Yes, I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, today we are looking at something called the three colors of world view Mm -hmm. and why this is so stinking exciting and important for what we do. But I first want to give credit for where credit is due. This is material um, produced by something called Knowledge Works, W-O-R-K-S, Knowledge Works. They are based out of the Middle East. Um, and they are doing cultural uh, awareness mm-hmm. as our global community, well, as the world becomes more and more, I mean, that globalization, I want to be like a global community. I, hopefully, you know what I'm trying to say anyway. <laughs> as we are crossing cultures all the time, I came across this resource and I have been overseas for 22 years. Mm-hmm. I desperately and deeply love my home culture. I probably love parts of it more now than I ever have just because I I haven't been around it. So I just so deeply appreciate Southern hospitality and care and community and entrepreneurial and generosity. There's so many things that I deeply appreciate about my culture. And I'm so very, very aware, more aware of cultures for having had to cross cultures and live outside of my host culture. Um, And so this organization, KnowledgeWorks, has come up with this. And there's actually an inventory that you can take. You can Google KnowledgeWorks and, um, and sign up to take. It's paid. And if you do I mean, you have to pay for it. Um, but if you do any work cross-culturally, if you are based in the United States, but you have uh, people from other parts of the globe that are a part of your work team or part of your church team mm-hmm. or part of your family, this is the best cross-cultural material that I have come across in these 22 years. Absolutely. 
it is an amazing tool and an amazing resource. I think what what was very shocking to me is to understand that culture is something that is so easily understood without talking that it can be very confusing when you get to another culture. You don't know your own culture until you're aware of those details in comparison to the other mm -hmm. culture, right? You Sometimes you don't even know your own culture until you leave it. Exactly. So we, we just do life the way that we we have learned, the way that we decide, and that becomes to be our, our culture. But it's incredible to just stop and see those details. Um, and in a way of comparison, just trying to see, like, this is what I do. This is what I believe. This is how I do life. And that is a whole worldview that comes from each one of us. But then when you have the other person next to you, understanding your own culture is going to help you to understand their culture and the fact that we have different ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. I remember so um, vividly coming to Ecuador and, you know, I came and I landed here in 2002 and I had done some extensive research on Ecuadorian culture. I read mm -hmm. many books. I was... Um, really tried to have the posture of a learner and just learn this culture all around me. And it felt like a treasure hunt. Mm. And in 2005, I got to help lead a team, take a team from Ecuador mm -hmm. to the Diocese of Upper South Carolina to do short-term missions. We went to EYE, and then we did short-term missions in Greenville, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So these group of Ecuadorians <laughs> um, uh, doing missions there. And then that's when we also went to Camp Gravit and, and did Happening One, Happening Uno. Mm -hmm. And my friend Fernando, uh, who still and some people listening know Fernando well and just amazing man and leader that he is, um, he, when we got to the U.S., he started asking me a thousand questions about American culture. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was surprised to find out how annoyed I was, how quickly He's like, why do people drive on the right side of the, the right lane if they're too late? You're just supposed to drive on the right. Like, <laughs> I was so annoyed at the good observations and good questions that he was asking. And that was just an aha moment for me that I had this sense that you're supposed to know and understand my culture. It's your culture that's weird. Right. Or different or whatever the right vocabulary <laughs> there is. And it was, I loved and still do love Fernando. And so wanting to, it was easier to reply to him because I loved him. And had he been someone that I didn't care for or didn't like or didn't know, or and then it would have been a, a lot more headbutting and a lot more um, anger on my part, which it was just a really interesting. So I just say that as a, a starting place, that culture is like... It, Culture is the water. Mm -hmm. If we were a fish, culture is the water that we're swimming in. And a lot of times fish don't even know that they're in water. Right. How, and they don't notice about it until they're out of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So, um, Jorito, as we were preparing for this podcast, you were talking about the value mm -hmm. of these three worldviews. And we're going to explain those in just a second. Could you could you launch that and set that up? Yes. Us? Mainly and the most important thing is, as I said before, it is a worldview. And each one of us carry with our own worldviews. This is the way that we see things. This is the filter that we understand life through. But this is also the way that we decide to do life and the way that we decide to do every single one of the things that we do. Um, work has to do with it, life, family, relationships. 
um, free time has to do with culture. Like our culture is kind of like the nurturing part where we receive all the information and the place that we put all those things in display um, now as decisions and actions. Mm -hmm. I think it is really important for us. We have talked a lot about relationships and um, adapting to other places and forming this like cool trustworthy um, kind of relationships between each other when we're working. But we have to also be aware of the fact of how culture is not easy to understand, you know. Um, you have to be super open to your own culture, understand that in order to mm -hmm. understand someone else's culture. And I think the value for this is when you want to help someone, you cannot help them from the place that you are coming from. Right. You have to help them from the place that they are coming from. Mm -hmm. Right. And understanding that background, understanding that um, we, we, we talk a lot about like social background. We talk about like the poverty background and all those things, the socioeconomical uh, different backgrounds that everybody has. But that also has a culture. And I feel that when we read scripture, when we read the Bible and we understand about what Jesus was doing when he came to, to um, on earth and he was discipling his 12 disciples and he was preaching to other people, the main thing that he was doing is addressing their own reality, you know, is saying and, and giving a different meaning to what they were living, but understanding where everyone was coming from. Mm -hmm. Culture gives us that opportunity and understanding culture in this setting of missions will help us in some ways to be open to understand where people are coming from but also it is a huge help for for the person that is coming down to be able to process their own experience in the right way mm -hmm. sometimes we can be so as you were saying with the story of fernando we can be easily distracted, frustrated, or drawn away from the real purposes of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And culture is so loud sometimes that we cannot get to focus into the real things and the important things. Understanding this will help us to get there. And I feel for everybody that is here in this podcast that has come in a team before, you have experienced this, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody that is coming from with a team, um, you guys can be aware of the fact of let's be open to understand these things. I actually had a meeting last night with our new interns um, and we were asking the interns that are repeating a summer, the summer, um, the program that we have during summer. We asked the old interns to give like kind of an advice to the new interns that are coming down. And the main thing that everybody said is just try to come and be open for everything. Mm -hmm. You will not understand many things. And there are some things that you will get to understand, but you have to be open to get to, you know, truly grasp everything from from where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. So there are these different worldviews so that we can mm -hmm. understand ourselves and we can be open to understanding the people that we're serving alongside. Absolutely. And so those three, and just the names of these three were enough for me for huge <laughs> light bulbs to go off. Um, I grew up in, uh, in, again, in North Carolina, and I had heard through literature, through social studies, that the concept of honor-shame cultures, where honoring your family or shaming your family, oh, that was uh, mm -hmm. the driving force by which most decisions were made. And right. I and I associated that with mostly the Far East or the Middle East, but also being from the South, <laughs> there is a lot of honor shame in the South as well. Um, 
of wanting to to make sure that you honor the people around you. The second one uh, is power fear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what an interesting dynamic. Most of Latin America is a power fear culture. Culturally, right. it is a top-down federalist system that the top has all of the power and the power trickles down. Yes, And we, we contrast that in a lot of our orientations, um, the federalist versus like a congregationalist, like mm-hmm. grassroots. Mm-hmm. But so Latin America is, is mostly power field. And then the third one, which just hit me straight between the eyes, was uh, innocence guilt. Mm-hmm. Because the United States, Western <laughs> Europe, U.S., Canada, most parts like that, it is an innocence guilt culture. In every conversation, we are trying to figure out who is innocent and who is guilty. Right. Who is right and who is wrong. What is the right way to do this? What is the wrong way? What is logical? What is illogical? Right. And I just, ha- I, just even having those handles was like, oh. <gasps> This explains my thought process. Because <laughs> it, it drives everything that you do and everything that you decide to do. I think that's one of the most important things that I've learned is that this has to do not just with the way of perceiving life, but is the way of making decisions. Mm-hmm. All our actions are based on decisions and motivations. Yeah. And culture is this huge way, right? And these three dimensions, three, these three colors, just open, at least for me, open a huge, wide, different way of thinking, Because I could understand the way that, of course, I do life, but I also understand that sometimes when I'm talking to someone else and they don't understand what I'm saying, it's not because I'm not doing a good job of communicating or because they are not understanding. It's because we see life in so many different ways. From the very base, uh, they talk about, you know, culture is an iceberg. If you've studied any culture, you've heard that metaphor. And the behaviors are what are above the waterline. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of paint you use to paint a wall? Do you put paint thinner in your paint before you put it on the wall? Yes or no? <laughs> if you're in Latin America, then that's a yes. And if you're North American, <laughs> you're like, what are you doing? That is the antithetical point. of Anyway. Um, so those are the behaviors, how you cross the street, how you talk on the phone, um, your manners in the grocery store, right? like whether you ask people to move out of your way or you just sit and stand behind them silently waiting for them to notice you. I mean, there are all these like behavioral parts. And if you could see my hands right now, they, <laughs> they're well above <laughs> my head talking about the, the parts of behavior that we see, but these three cultures, this honor, shame, power, fear, innocence, guilt, this is the very bottom of the iceberg. Like this isn't just like below the surface. This is like the driver at the very, very bottom of the iceberg. It's so deep in us that we normally um, never even have the opportunity to recognize that we're operating out of it because it's so ingrained and who we are. Mm-hmm. And especially for me in this innocence guilt, this right or wrong, it's um it's especially insidious because as an innocence guilt, a majority uh, on my um we all I should back up and say we all have all three drivers. Right. No one except Chip Smith. <laughs> <laughs> He's legit like 89% innocence guilt or 98%. I mean, it's some crazy number, but, um, like I'm 
like 52% innocence guilt and 23% uh, power fear mm-hmm. and 20 whatever the other part is, honor shame. So like there's a good balance, but I'm still very, and I credit that to living overseas for 22 years, but there's that that driver. I'm always looking for what is right and what mm-hmm. is wrong. And I can especially see it in as how I parent. Like mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm parenting my children that to be logical and to be realistic. And can you do that? And can you not do that? And it's based on this is the right way and this is the wrong way to do something. And I am in awe of how that comes into conflict or comes into symbiosis with power fear, because that's where we are. Right. Um, and just... Oh, Language is a huge part of culture, right? Mm-hmm. So, and we have joked about this before. Here in Latin America, you claim somebody as your <laughs> own in your language. If I were talking about Jorjito, I would say, mi Jorjito, my Jorjito. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to you, it'd be like, oh, hi, my Jorjito. It's like, that is language that I've picked up and I've used for a long time, but I've been very confused about it. Why am I yeah. claiming you as my Jorjito? Especially if I'm talking to other people that you're friends with as well. Roberto's brother is Sergio. And I have listened to many conversations between Roberto and Sergio yep. when one of them would say, me, mommy, my mother. Well, it's also his mother. <laughs> like, why are you not? And I remember a conversation Roberto and I had early on in our marriage, and he thought I was being disrespectful because I didn't always refer to someone by their title. I would refer uh-huh. their name. Like uh, Uncle Tom, I would just call Uncle Tom instead of saying my Uncle Tom. <laughs> and he was like, Cameron, you're being so disrespectful. Why would you not call him my uncle? I'm like, Cause he's also my brother's uncle and my other brother's uncle. And my, like, I'm not being just like, his name is uncle Tom. Like, that's what we call him. This is the right way to do it. Whereas, um, coming out of the power fear culture, mm-hmm. it's not like everyone's like biting their fingernails, living in fear all the time, but it's all about alignment. You have to, who are you aligned to? You are aligned to me, mommy. You're aligned mm-hmm. to my mother. You're, you're claiming your allegiance. Every time you use that vocabulary, does that make you're grinning from ear Absolutely. to ear? <laughs> it's, in, it's incredible. I remember when we were like talking about this and you had already been to, uh, through the training, but you asked me a question. What would happen if you're on the beach, like on the sea and you hear the um, lifeguard whistle, the lifeguard whistle, what do you do first? And my answer was, if I'm with you, I look, I will look at the beach trying to find you first and then the kids. So like what I'm looking for is my authority and the people that I can help that will need my help. Mm-hmm. The you people know? you're aligned to or who are aligned to you. Mm-hmm. What is expected from me to receive orders and to, um, and to help mm-hmm. to execute them, right? So I think that's when I started thinking about it. Whereas P.S. just parathetically, I was like, seriously? Like the lifeguard blew his whistle. You look at the lifeguard to see if you've done something wrong. <laughs> or he just like, what? what? Like, why would I do that first? Because the most important thing for me in that moment is the whistle. At, 
is like telling you, warning you about danger. Mm-hmm. And if I am in danger or someone else is in danger, I would look first to my relationships, mm-hmm. my allegiance, you know, mm-hmm. who is in front of me? How can I help? How can I listen? You know, those things. Yeah. But when I went through all of this processing, I realized of how much we misinterpret everything on our, you know, when you're walking in the street and you see something, we easily, at least my brain, easily just goes goes to like a, a judgment that a person should have done this. You know, they mm-hmm. should have seen the light first before crossing. We just see all this and display around us all the time. And that's and some of your of, innocence guilt coming out, but also your honor shame coming exactly. out. Exactly. Like, oh, that was shameful that they... Exactly. So you you just normally, and I think maybe this has to do with personalities. There's other people that probably oh, would sure. not care. You know, you're walking in the street and you don't even notice about anything. But someone like me and you, that we observe everything around us, we are in a way just trying to emit an opinion to to pronounce something about what I'm seeing. And it's so important to understand that those things that we're seeing has a specific background, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't mean that yours is wrong and theirs is right or the opposite. It means that in order to fight the right way, and I think that's something that is very helpful for equal stage when we try to understand all this. We're not trying to align to one of those of these three colors, right? right? We don't want to align to each one of them. We don't want to align to North American culture or align to Latin American culture. We want to align to the kingdom culture. Kingdom when culture. you understand all these details and all these subjects that are within our behavior, then you're understanding also how Jesus has taught us what is the kingdom culture mm-hmm. and how can we apply all these things to a loving understanding point of making relationships and interacting one with the other. So that we can love God mm-hmm. and love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. There is so much. There are books. There's so much written on all of this. We have barely scratched the surface, but it's something that's shaping what we're doing. Um, and more than even shaping, it's giving us the the words to explain to yes. others why we have done. Some of this, you and I, um, and those who have been in and out of different cultures, we've just intuited or we understood and or someone taught us with different vocabulary. And so we've been able to move uh, fluidly in between cultures, but it's so exciting to have the handles and to begin to have the vocabulary to help others who don't have 20 years of their life to spend in missions, to help them understand uh, their neighbor a little bit better so Mm -hmm. that they can love them better and love them more and be the hands and feet of Jesus. You're, you're so right to take us back to that because that is, that's why we want to study this is because we want to be agents of peace and of Mm -hmm. healing. Um, that's who God has called us to be and not agents of, of frustration or, um, of, Roses is the word in Spanish. I don't even like little like scratches, scratches, agitation. We don't want to agitate. Wow, that was hard. Sorry. Um, we don't want to agitate yeah. uh, those who we uh, we have a call to to come alongside and help. Right. So as a staff, as an equal staff, equals H staff here. And we've gone through this training. Celeste Bundy was Bundy was actually able to come down and join us, yes. which has been awesome for the communication within our international organization. And as she reaches into places in Africa and other parts of the Caribbean and Latin America where we're working, it's just it's such a versatile tool. So it's a big thing that's happening in the Eagles yeah. H world, and we just wanted to share that with yeah. our and 
with just our people. To, just to wrap up this this episode, the reason why we want to explain this on the podcast is because we want for everybody, everybody that is involved with Equal Sage in any way to understand also why we make the decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. We this is oh, this has all to do with culture. We decide to give the money to the ministry sites because of a, of this you know setting how that, we give that money is yes. deeply influenced by this we could we could do a whole nother episode just on that exactly so that like every decision that we make how we distribute the money how we get along with the ministry sites um when a team comes down who we partner them with you know which church are, are they going to visit has to do with this cultural things too you know like what is the perfect match here all the activities and the schedule of a team has to do with this mm-hmm. we come to the church and, and my job is to try to be the ears um, that can understand and receive all the information from their church in order to form a schedule we don't just randomly do it or we don't do it because we feel it's the best way. We, we do it because we can see all this evidence in the culture that tells us what, what is the right way of walking, mm-hmm. right? So this is, this is part of everything that we do as a equals age. We're so grateful for you listening today and being a part of this cultural journey with us. Um, thank you so much for those of you who give financially so that we have the micro scholarships to share in these different ministry sites. If you'd like to be a part of that, please go to educationalshope.org, find the Donate Now button. We can't do this without you. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. See you next, next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to our Hopecast. If you want to join the mission or know more about it, please visit our webpage, www.educationequalshope.org, or check our YouTube channel and Instagram with the same name.